listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're discussing whether or not you can make yourself love a genre, what to do when you hate Mylar book coverings, and good books for spooky season, which we're ready for. We've been training for that one. Oh, yeah. It's like a spooky version of the Rocky montage. I'm chugging candy corn. Mm-hmm. I'm running into a haunted house. Mm-hmm. I'm lifting up cauldrons. I'm ready. Uh, but first, Bria, what are you reading? Lifting cauldrons. Are they full of liquid? <laughs> are they full of, of, of newt size? Okay. Um, I am listening <laughs> to something. I wanted to do something to kind of prep for spooky season. And I've been listening to a book, maybe you recommended, called Gory Details, Adventures from the Dark Side of Science. Came out last year. No. It's by Erica Engelhopt. Okay. It is a science. Erica is a, is a science reporter who investigates gross things, weird things, death, morbid things, all sorts of stuff. I'm on a chapter right now that's all about bugs and eating bugs and like what, because that is something, you know, if you are concerned about climate change and food scarcity, like bugs are really the way to go, which is such a weird, I keep I know. seeing that. It's, it's so, listen, I want to be on board and I'm listening to the book, uh, but also stuff about the first chapter was all about morgues and what it's actually like to be in a morgue. It's really, if if you're looking for a nonfiction for the Halloween season, I really like this. And I have to say, she's a very enjoyable reader. It kind of feels like you went over to like your weird aunt's house and she's like telling you about the shit she's been into lately. <laughs> like, and she's just like- AKA me? Yeah, she's like, I went to a morgue <laughs> and here's what happened. You're like, what? You did? Oh and like, God. she's just a really, seems like a really fascinating and nice like a nice lady. She seems like a nice lady who's just going and, uh, oh you know, hanging out with these people who are eating maggots and, you know, dealing with it in her life. And she talks about how gross it is. I really, and, you know, I appreciate that when someone's like, this is gross. Uh, so it's a fun, <laughs> gory, disgusting kind of Halloween season nonfiction, which I thought would be fun. Uh, what are you reading? That is fun. I am reading a spooky graphic novel that I am so pumped about. So this is a... YA, uh, YA horror graphic novel. It's called The Hills of Estrella Roja by Ashley Robin Franklin. And it's so much fun. Oh my God. So it's two main characters, like two POV characters. The first one, she's this college freshman and she, they, this all takes place in Texas. And she and her best friend host a, like a supernatural, like, um, paranormal podcast and it's spring break and she gets this mysterious email from someone saying like hey you should check out this small town in texas called estrella roja spooky things have been happening there and it's like an anonymous email and she's like she tells her best friend she's like i know you're going on like fun spring break and going to the water park I'm packing my car and going to the spooky small town in Texas. And her best friend's like, okay, you have to call me every day though. And make sure I, I know that you don't get murdered. And, and the other main character is, uh, a young girl she's around the same age and her abuela has died and who is her family's from this town and she has to go to the funeral and she has not been to this town since she was a kid her family her mother has like cut her ties with the family there and they get there for the funeral and her family's real fucking weird Mm -hmm. and they're very standoffish and they're like clearly upset that they have cut themselves off and so while they're both bored in this in the small town they end up meeting up um they're both queer and and like they gravitate towards each other because they both think that the other one is cute but they also they decide to start 
investigating the creepy stuff that's going mm. on and i won't tell you too much more but it is so much fun the only detail i will give you is that if you are someone who likes cryptids oh this might be a good book for Ooh, you i am so it's like small town with the secret we had there's a there's a queer romance some some maybe some monster stuff going on and it's really the art is fantastic it's just so much fun so that's the hills of estrella roja by ashley robin franklin and mine is gory details adventures from the dark side of science by erica so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback micah wrote in to say hey brian mallory i was listening to your recent episode about how to get more out of your audiobooks i'm a big e-reader as well as physical books and i never used to listen to audiobooks although i do listen to a lot of podcasts previously it was maybe one to two audiobooks in a year if i had a lot of road trips but even then i do podcast or music it wasn't until this past spring when i picked up crocheting as a new hobby that audiobooks became mm. an essential part of my reading life and i've listened to six since then which is a huge jump for me now i love listening to audiobooks while i crochet on the couch with my cat but i do have to be careful about which projects i work on while listening if i'm starting a new project and need to pay attention to the crochet pattern i'm not able to also pay attention to the audiobook sure. the combination has to be either easy pattern and absorbing books <laughs> book that requires focus in an easy or repetitive pattern any other crafty audiobook listeners out there love the show i've gotten so many recommendations from you all thanks for all you do love from nashville love that very cute. Easy pattern, absorbing book, book requires focus or easy pattern <laughs> or yeah, or easy repetitive pattern. Anyway, I love it. It's very good. That's a great tip though. Lexi writes in and says, hi, Brian Mallory. After listening to episode 322 on getting more out of audiobooks, I absolutely had to write in. As a new audiobook listener, I second all the advice, especially about different genres for different formats. I never liked reading physical nonfiction books because it felt like a textbook or schoolwork and also never picked up audiobooks because I'd lose focus on the story. However, I really enjoy listening to nonfiction and memoir audiobooks because it feels like a podcast and tricks my brain into following it better. I have the same thing. Another thing I wanted mm -hmm. to add as a suggestion is trying out books with narrators Galen is already familiar with. Books like celebrity memoirs are read by the author, and I found that that helped train my brain when I started trying audiobooks because I was already familiar with the voice and the speaking style. As a specific recommendation, Mallory's The Lady from the Black Lagoon. Hey. Seeing as Galen is a glasser and then they're already familiar with Mallory's voice. Plus the book is already fantastic and engaging. It was one of the first audiobooks I loved and was a great gateway for me to start on other audiobooks. Thank you, Lexi. Nice that just made my shout day. shout out. P.S. My wheelhouse is rom-coms with a unique hook, women with ambition, Hollywood stories, books about the arts, and standalone light fantasy novels. Wow. Are you ready for this next piece of listening? It's very funny. I'm very ready. <laughs> so ready. S writes in to say, Hello, Brian Mallory. I'm probably late to the party, but I wrote some lyrics for Suspicious ISBN to the tune of Suspicious Minds. I put it on AO3 since clearly the search term is a potential click gold mine. The link is here. I'll put it in the show notes. Hopefully this gave you a chuckle. Love your podcast. Your recommendations are consistently great. And then so it goes Suspicious ISBN. No, Mallory, you have, to, say it. Sing it. You have to sing it like the song. I, you sing it. I don't like to sing. Uh, okay, it goes... Uh, Screen start to flash. Message comes up. I can't sing that well. Warning, check this book much closer. <laughs> Eyes rolling. Why does this happen to me? My shift was ending. The store is closing. I don't know the song well enough. 
We can't go on, customer. Suspicious ISBN. <laughs> Where did you get this book from? A library bin. <laughs> you don't have to do that. Okay. Whole thing. All right. It's very but good, though. <laughs> I will put the link in the show notes to this. It's really fucking funny and 100% worth reading. S did a really great job. This made me laugh really hard. <laughs> it's very funny. We'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Quick bookmark from me. Uh, if you are in Santa Cruz this weekend, I am up there at UC Santa Cruz delivering the keynote address for a conference about monsters. Exciting. So it is the 2023 Festival of Monsters at UC Santa Cruz, and I am delivering the keynote address about women in horror. So if you want to have a fun time listening to women and spooky stuff and me, come on down. I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm really excited. And that is happening. Uh, I believe I'm delivering my address either Friday or Saturday, but I'll be around the whole weekend. It's going to be a blast. Uh, check the show notes for the link. So before we talk about making yourself love a book genre, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Soylent. Soylent, the original food tech company, makes delicious and nutritious nutrition products in convenient formats. Y'all know we love Soylent, and there's many ways to eat or drink Soylent. They have the ready-to-drink shake. That's what Mallory loves. It's 400 calories of slow-burning carbohydrates. You can just have that in the morning, and you're set for your day. You have your Soylent Squared. That's the one I love. It's a 100-calorie complete nutrition bar that can be taken on the go. I love to throw these little squares in my purse so I can just eat them in the car when I'm driving. It's my favorite thing to do is eat while driving. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I really do. Um, you also have Complete Energy, which is an energy drink made by Soylent, but it's different than a normal energy drink. It has plant-based protein in it. It's got all sorts of nutrients. And then you also have the Complete Protein, which is great for people like Mallory, who is a power lifter, but also great for you. If you're just looking to get more protein in your diet, it's got 30 grams of plant-based protein. Look, we know Soylent is the quickest, easiest meal on the planet. There's no cooking. There is no cleanup. Again, it's it's great for breakfast. It's great for lunch. It's great for any time you need a nutritious meal that's also delicious. And if you hate to cook, don't worry. You don't, you can just grab a bottle. I love having these around my house because you can just grab them anytime you need them. If I'm like, I'm a little hungry, but I'm about to go somewhere. Or I don't have time or I'm in the middle of a project. I just grab one of these bottles. I open them up. So go to Soylent.com slash glasses and use code glasses to get 20% off your first order. That's Soylent.com slash glasses and code glasses to get 20% off your first order. Glasses. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin. And together we are The Flophouse, a long-running podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. And because we're so long-running, maybe you haven't given us a chance. I get it. But you don't actually have to know anything about previous episodes to enjoy us. And I promise you that if you find our voices irritating, we grow endearing over time. Perhaps you listened to one of our old episodes and decided that we were dumb and immature. Well, we've been doing this a while now. We have become smarter and more mature, and generally nicer to Dan. But we are only human, so no promises. Find the Flophouse on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. 
this week, we're discussing an important reader question. Is it possible to make yourself love a genre? Should you do this? Can you do this? And if so, how? So today's episode was inspired by Ashley, who wrote in and asked, Hello, Mallory and Bria. My friend recommended your show to me recently, and it's the first podcast that I just cannot stop listening to. I've been lucky enough to listen to your recent episodes and a bunch of your backlog. While I absolutely adore the show, you guys have totally contributed to my reader problem. Uh I have massive fantasy FOMO. I'm a huge reader, and I read almost everything, but the fantasy genre just isn't in my wheelhouse. This gives me some serious FOMO because, one, many of my fellow readers are huge fantasy lovers and I want to join in on the fun. And two, I love the idea of immersing myself in a totally different world across a long multi-book series, but I feel like that could only happen if I were reading fantasy. Plus, while listening to your episode, The Sounds of a Fairy Cottage, all I could think about was how reading with a foresty cottagecore soundscape in the background seems like the ultimate reader experience. The fact that those cottagecore sounds wouldn't match the vibes of books I typically read makes me feel like I'm missing out big time. I don't want to turn reading into a chore, but is it possible to train myself to like a new genre? Or should I just live with the FOMO? Bria, what do we think of this? I mean, I hear this problem loud and clear because as much as I try to read fantasy, a lot of the books, they don't work for me. Like, I want to love them. And I also want to say, like, I, just, I, I want to love these fantasy books, but a lot of them, I'm like, these are too complicated. This is too much world building. I don't have the energy. But I also want to say, for the record, you can do anything while listening to Cottage Core Background. Like, mm-hmm. you can... You can you can read a, a nonfiction book set in a forest, you know, a tree book, a bird book, something like that. Or you could just like clean your house with some fairy cottage noise in the background. You know, you don't have to read the fantasy book. I just want to like let Ashley know, like if you're just interested in this cottage core fairy tinkling noises in the background, you can find other tinkling stuff to noises. do. You know, where it's like t- fairies like I don't know what fairies do. <laughs> See, this is the problem. I don't read enough fantasy books. What do you think of this problem? Well, I, I, it's funny because I think both of our reflex for this is to be like, you don't need to listen to fantasy for this. You can find, you know, I, I, I just want, like, I think it's possible for Ashley to get those experiences without becoming a fantasy reader, not just listening to Sounds of Fairy Cottage Volume 3. But there's so many immersive series that are literary and other genres that'll scratch that itch. You can read them while listening to the, the tinkling of the fairies. <laughs> But I'm going to, you know what? I, I understand it. Sometimes you see an, a genre and you see people who are really enjoying it and you're like, I want to get into this. So sometimes you just want to be into a thing because it looks fun. And you know what? Fuck it. I think that's what life is about. Mm-hmm. Being, trying stuff because it looks fun. Great. And maybe try, we'll try, maybe Ashley will try reading a bunch of fantasy books and the fantasy books won't be her thing and that'll be fine too. Mm-hmm. But if she really wants to try, I love the curiosity. Who knows? I think this is a great, great thing to try out. Now, Bria, do we think it is possible to train yourself to like a genre? How do you do it? I think you don't want it to be a chore. So I think we have to be very careful yes. on the, the ground we're treading here. And I think like don't force yourself like you don't want it to be your job. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you can train yourself to to get into the genre a little bit. I think that you need to find some people read what you currently read and chat with them. Because I think one of the things that that Ashley's missing out on is just this community of FOMO. Like that's it's a FOMO community thing where yes. it's like everyone's talking about fantasy and I can't talk about fantasy. Find people who read what you read. If you read 
you know, only uh, memoirs, like go find people, go listen to Chelsea Devontis' podcast and like find people <laughs> in her community, like find people who read the books that you read and you're going to find a lot of people are not reading fantasy. So like that's what I want to start with instead of the training, like try, try that also. What about you? What about what do you think of with the training? So I think this is where knowing your wheelhouse and your mm. reading doorway, like knowing yourself as a reader is really, really helpful. And I think Ashley can set herself up for success by finding a fantasy book that already has things that she's going to love. You know, I really relate to Ashley as longtime listeners of the show will remember that I felt the same way about fantasy for a long time. I was really into it when I was a kid, read it up until I was in 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 college and I fell off of it and you know, I wanted to get back to it for so long, but I couldn't figure out my way back in. And along came retired Hall of Fame reading glasses book, Library of the Dead by T.L. <laughs> Huchu, that I had to read for the show because we had Tendai on as a guest. And I fucking loved it because it, it had ghosts, it had spooky stuff, and it's unquestionably a fantasy book. And it was a series to boot, and it felt like literally like a magical door opened well, for me again yeah and it was and a big I, deal for you because you weren't starring many series and suddenly you got back into series which is like that alone is a huge deal oh yeah it was awesome and now i like the new book the the new one just came out i'm so excited about it but because i think it had so many things that i read about regularly you know ghosts and edinburgh which we're all reading about i guess it just felt like there was a path there was a pathway in because i started it and it didn't feel like it was like a big onboarding process like oh my god i have to like read a whole new genre it was like oh well here's fucking ghosts like i mm -hmm. read about those all the time but so it was like an easy bridge for me it was a it was a gateway book right? Yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of, that's what your, yeah. that's your hot tip. That's my hot tip is that like gateway book, like a gateway drug, something like this is a book that opens the door to the genre for you because it has something you already like, but it has this other element of things. Like we meet people all the time who didn't like horror until they re read Mexican Gothic and they're like, I like horror now. Yes. Like I opened that door. And so there are books in fantasy that are light fantasy, right? Like you aren't diving into a 12 book series with multiple offshoots and like 45 characters. You can do some light fantasy depending on your wheelhouse. So again, I think it's like what you said. It's like about knowing your wheelhouse and you're like, you know what? I love books set in Edinburgh. Like I'm going to find a fantasy set in Edinburgh and maybe that will open that doorway for you. So it becomes your gateway drug. I was going to say some drugs and I decided not to do that. Uh, it's a gateway. It's your gateway <laughs> book. I would also add that I agree with you. Like, I know I understand the FOMO where you see people who are like, you know, they're deep into fantasy. They are so excited about the the new Sarah J. Moss book that's number mm -hmm. fifteen in the series. Yeah. But that's probably not where you want to start with a book that has very complicated world building and seventeen different characters and a giant family tree and a map that you have to memorize. Like very the hard. fantasy spectrum is very wide. And unless you think that kind of honker will really hook you, like, and you're, unless you're the kind of person, like, when I, like, I love fantasy series with, and especially, like, now that I'm back into them, like, I appreciate a map and I appreciate a family tree. But sometimes, especially when I'm starting a book and I look at all of it and it just is stressful to me because I'm like, mm -hmm. I haven't even met any of these people yet. And I... Now I have to remember that this person is a cousin to this. Like, yeah. it just, I can see where, it, where it's stressful. So at least for me, the best way to try any new genre, I think, is to find something that's very accessible. Pick a book that looks doable to you. Pick maybe a standalone book. You know, there's plenty of immersive fantasy, even series, ones that aren't standalone, but series that don't, that are, they're not very long. They're under 300 pages. Their magic systems uh, do not have a lot of rules. There's not a lot of, like, 
like I said before, like onboarding that you need to do. And that's where I think that Ashley should start. So speaking of, do we have any recommendations for Ashley for fantasy specifically? I was thinking we talked about a couple of episodes ago, The House in Cerulean Sea by TJ Klune, right? It's fantasy, that's but it's not one. world buildery, right? You just need to understand no. you have this main character who has to go to a home for fantastical kids and decide if he's going to close it. And that's really all you need to know. And everything else is like, here's these fantastical kids, but you don't need to know their lineage. <laughs> you just need to know, like, here's what they do. Here's their magic powers. It's on the island, middle of the forest. So maybe that's cottagecore vibes. Like maybe Ashley can put the cottagecore, like fairies tinkling in the background noises uh, along with this one. <laughs> I was trying to find one that could help with that particular problem. What do you have? So my recommendation for this, and of course, again, it depends on Ashley's wheelhouse. Like if Ashley, if you look at this book and you're like, this doesn't speak to me, skip it. But I think the glossers are always right. And I think a great one is Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies. Oh, of course, yes. It's a great entry-level fantasy because it's set in our world. It's like an our world, but a little bit different. Like it's our world with fairies. And they do end up going into the fairy world for a little bit, but it's mostly set in our world. So it's not, you don't need a lot of onboarding just besides the fact that like, okay, fucking fairies exist. That's what you need to know. The characters are great. The story is wicked compelling. And there's just enough fantasy and magic to give you an idea of what the genre is like without being like, all right, I have to rec I have to know this entire family tree and I have to know how all of this magic works and I have to know all these different houses and all their different powers. Like <laughs> there's not, none of that. And not to say that those books aren't good because we all enjoy a good honker now and then but if you're just getting into the genre that's probably not the way to go i think a lot of this advice applies for anyone trying to get into any genre you know pick a good entry-level book pick your wheelhouse find a good gateway book not just we're, we're focusing on fantasy because that's what ashley's into but i i think this could work for any genre and i i'm just really obsessed with the idea of listening to it finding a youtube ambiance playlist and being like i need to get into an entire genre of books yeah. so i can appreciate this <laughs> like i really really respect the hell out of that yeah, sure and i get it you know fantasy readers they're all cozy in front of the fire with their fairy playlists mm -hmm. and they are their elves and they seem like they've got it figured out. I get it. I feel the same way. I'm like, do these people have it figured out? Like they have their lives figured out. They're just excited for that next honker. And they sit there and read it all weekend. I have a, I have a question for Ashley and a slight theory because I think it all depends on whether or not you were really into fantasy when you were a kid. Oh, because there's like, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who were kids, especially people my age, because I my first generation was the first like Harry Potter generation. Mm -hmm. And I got really into Lord of the Rings, his dark materials. And there's like a lot of kids books, at least when we were growing up, were fantasy related. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of like regular ones, you know, like Island of the Blue Dolphins, not fantasy at all, stuff like that. So I wonder if people who uh some people who are really into fantasy now if they had an easier time with it because they were so into it when they were kids and mm. i wonder if ashley read more literary books when when she was a kid yeah, and yeah, yeah. has like um been Just hasn't a hard been, uh learning curve yes has not learned the, the it's like if you don't learn curve. a second language before the age of seven i was gonna say that yes don't learn to, to speak elvish when you're a kid it's very hard to to, to learn it when you're an adult Ashley, if you get into fantasy, please let us know. We'd love to know what your gateway book was. And we wish you the best of luck moving into the fairy cottage. Uh, so send your thoughts about getting into a genre to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we solve a bookish problem about Mylar, we're going to take a quick break.
Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Scent Air. You can reduce pet anxiety and remove pesky pet odors from all the spaces that matter from home to business with Scent Air. Okay, Scent Air's new pet calming complex is designed to soothe cats and dogs from unwanted fears, nervousness, and general anxiety. The proprietary formula uses industry-recognized pet calming components to help calm pets and reduce fears and unwanted behaviors. All of Scent Air's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, and safe for families and Eco-Vetus certified sustainable. That all sounds very impressive, but I'm just going to tell you, I received Scent Air, and Scent Air is one of the strongest home fragrances that I have ever had. I thought this was a normal diffuser. No. Scent Air... The moment I plug it in, you have to plug it in. It has these little cartridges you put in, and they smell great. And y'all know I'm very sensitive to smells. I'm very picky about the smells in my house. I really think about it. I really curate the smells. And I opened up the pet calming one, and I was like, okay, I like this. It smells clean. It smells nice. Before I even plugged it in, I could smell it. You know, it was it was not like I needed to like plug it in just to smell it. No, you can smell this thing. And then you could set it on three different levels. And I put it in the room with my cat litter boxes because that is definitely the smelliest room of my house. And it completely, you cannot smell the litter boxes at all. I don't know how to explain this, but you literally can't smell them. It is, and I had it on the lowest setting. There's three settings. It um, automatically turns on. Every so often, depending on the setting that you do, and it has this little fan that makes the smell go into the air, you could use these in your garage, you could use these in a warehouse, but you could also just use these in your um, in your litter box room or whatever stinky room that you happen to have in your home. So try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code GLASSES for an extra 25% off your order. GLASSES. Co-Optober continues in celebration of National Co-op Month. I'm Kevin Ferguson, senior producer and worker owner at Maximum Fun. I'm Marissa Flaxbart, producer, and I'm also a worker owner at Max Fun. This week is all about community. Of course, we wouldn't be a co-op without the Max Fun community. And we love it whenever members of our audience get together. So we're having another Max Fun meetup day this Thursday, October 12th. And next week, we'll be hosting a panel discussion with other worker owners across the co-op community. And we are still selling our limited edition launch crew merch available to all MaxFun members. But only through the end of the month. For more info on Meetup Day and everything Co-Optober, head to MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. Have a great week. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners who would like to remain anonymous. Uh, Hi, all. First off, I absolutely love the show, have been listening since the beginning, and Reading Glasses is one of the only shows I listen to the day it comes out. Instead of adding it to my never-ending podcast queue, I have what might be a niche reader problem, and I don't know if it's just me being too picky or if there are any solutions to apologies in advance. I'm currently a PhD student, and I love reading physical books, and I tend to buy the books I do read. However, being a graduate student means I don't get paid much, so I'm trying to use the library more. However, my problem is this. I strongly prefer physical books 
books, and just by the nature of the books I read, the library tends to have them in hardcover. I have OCD and sensory issues to boot, so the plastic that they wrap the book in makes my brain itch. I'm wondering if you have any ideas for anything I can do so that I can keep using my library without struggling to keep reading books because I don't like holding the hardcovers. Thank you all so much for everything you do and for helping me get back into reading a couple years ago after a decade-long book slump. Bria, what do you think this person should do? I think we can safely say that no problem is too niche for reading glasses. No problem too niche. No problem too weird for reading glasses. No, we're ready. This is this is literally what we're here for. I, I immediately was like, well, just pull them off. Pull those things off. But I think it's going to be too hard. Don't pull them off. Yeah. I used to put them on when I worked at a library. And it is a, it's, a, it's a really hard process to get them on. But I would say discuss this with your librarian. Maybe there's some sort of deal you can come to. Like, oh, this one doesn't have a cover on it yet. Like, you can take this one. But I think Mallory has a really good suggestion. Um, I also, I, I don't know do you, if, if it's the sound or the touch that's bothering this anonymous person. If it's the, if it's the I think touch, it's the touch. Oh, it's the touch. If it's the touch, you could try to get a dust. <laughs> you could try to get a <laughs> It's because I'm holding the thing in. This is fucking, what a nightmare. Um, Sorry, Brett. Uh, is this funnier than when you had to record in that hotel room and you made a bl- blanket fort inside the is. closet to, re- to, to record? Y'all, I'm, re- I'm, okay, you can leave this in, Brett. I'm literally holding the microphone and the cord into the microphone because it keeps falling out and we keep losing it. Okay. Bria looks like one of those nude ca- newscasters that's like trying to give a newscast... Like a reporter in a storm, like <laughs> you see them being like blown around, and they're like struggling to keep everything together. Yeah, it's just, Bria's doing the her best. I She's do coming to us um, Okay, but what if you get a dust cover from home and just put it over your the book? So find one that fits the book. Oh. And just put a dust cover, a regular old dust cover, over it that doesn't bother you. Find one that you really like. You could just use it over and over again, right? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Okay, what do you think? Your idea is better, actually. Does everybody remember? And God. I'm old, so I don't remember. I don't know if people still use these. But you know those stretchy book covers that we used to use in school to cover our textbooks with? Yeah, totally. What's funny, so I saw actually a recent guest and friend of the show, Sarah Hollowell, was tweeting about this recently that not everybody had to cover up their textbooks when they were in school. Oh. We always had to. Ours were not stretchy. I know what you're talking about, but ours were paper. Ours were like basically like, yeah, you had to like do butcher like, paper. You had to use like a paper bag. Yeah. But not everybody had to do that. Oh, that's weird. How did you protect your books from horrible teenagers? I don't know. But anyway, so if you're one of those people and you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google stretchy book cover and they basically look like spandex for your book. You want to make your book look hot? Put it in one of these. It's basically like a (laughs) bodysuit for a book. (laughs) It's a workout outfit for a book. So I think this person needs to find one in a material that does not bother them. They come in a bunch of different materials. They come in a bunch of different patterns that you can I think you can get them in packs they're between like 10 and 20 dollars but if you're looking at this person who's a graduate student and they're going between paying 10 to 20 dollars for one stretchy book cover that they'll be able to use over and over again versus having to buy a bunch of books it will save them money in the long run and you can just put them on every library book that you read and then take them off when you're done throw them in the wash if you want I remember really loving those book covers because like most of us just did the paper bags but if you had the stretchy book covers that meant you were cool Mm -hmm. Mm. I meant you had some money. Oh. And again, they come in so many patterns and materials. There was ones that are really cute. Mm-hmm. And this person can just like get a pack of cute ones, keep it in their bedroom and put. And if you get a pack of them, that means you can 
check out multiple library books at a time yeah. and cover them up. Yeah. And uh, I mean, hopefully they'll be able to find one in a material that doesn't bother them. But I think that should do it. Hopefully it's not and the noise, too, because cool. the noise would be rough to cover. I don't know how you'd ever get that noise is going to be. You you're going to your book. You're going to have a crinkle regardless. You're going to unless you cover it with a towel, maybe cover it with a towel and you and you <laughs> like you're shooting someone. Cover. It with, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But you cover Isn't it with the murderers do. Yeah. Yeah. You. A book silencer. A book silencer. <laughs> and then you you cover it with a towel, and uh, and then you and then you just can leave your book open and with a book weight or something in the middle. Oh my god! <laughs> Read it from across the room. <laughs> but I, I don't I, I don't think it's the sound. I think it's the touch. And okay. I think the stretchy book covers will help. Listener, please write in and let us know if this helps solve your issue. But I think it should. Honestly, I and you know who else I think this would work for was the person who wrote in a long time ago who was skeeved out by the thought of library books being germy. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Put a good book cover on and it. And you can put a stretchy book cover on it that you can wash every time oh, yeah. and it's a little less germy. I like that. I, I, I do. And like then that. you can read whatever you want. If, if you were nervous about reading a filthy erotica in public... <laughs> You won't have to worry about it. No one will know. Yeah, your very own book cover. No one's ever going to ask you what you re- be like. Oh, I've read that before. That's the only problem you're going to run into. But otherwise, you'll be okay. You'll be fine. Yeah. So uh, if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time to answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Maddie wrote in. Hi, Brian Mallory. I just started listening to your podcast, and I'm so happy to hear two lovely people talk about spooky books and all the woes and triumphs of the reader life. I recently bought two horror books you both recommended since fall is coming up, Mr. Magic by Kirsten White and The Pallbearers Club by Paul Tremblay. And I was wondering if you two have any other ideas for good books to start off the spooky season with. I'm a horror novice, but I play a lot of horror games and would love to jump right into the thick of the weird and grotesque. Bria, what do you think Maddie should read? First of all, have you read Mr. Mis- Mr. Magic? Yeah, I blurbed it. Oh, you blurbed it. Oh, because I'm very excited about it. And uh, I just got it from the it's library. It's wicked good. Okay, I was like, did we talk you, about that one? Like you it. talked about it. Okay, so I was looking for books that specifically take place in October or Halloween or something because I was like, oh, this is going to, I'm going to recommend not only a horror book, but a timely horror book. And I read an early copy of this one and I don't think I ever chatted about it on the show. Did I? No, I don't think you have. I literally I looked, looked, looked at, at Goodreads and, was... and it was like, I hadn't even marked it on Goodreads. So I was like, oh, I couldn't have talked about it on the show. It's called How to Survive Your Murder by Daniel. Valentine. I I loved this book. It's about a girl named Alice whose sister is killed on Halloween. And it's a year later, I believe. And she's going to go testify against who she was the only person to witness it. And she kind of only sort of saw it like she was in a cornfield again. Cornfield alert. Uh, and 2023 is the year of the cornfield. And she only saw the guy like run away and she was like, ooh, okay, but I know it is. She's about to go testify against him in court and she's in a bathroom about to testify and she gets knocked out by a very Sydney Prescott a la Scream looking girl in this bathroom and is transported back to a year ago to figure out who did the killing if she was if she's right. So there's also a lot of danger in it. It's fun. It's horror. It's kind of a mystery. It has it's very meta horror. Um, it's kind of like sounds wicked. I was like, is it, it's kind of like Back to the Future. It's a wonderful life. Like, you know, back to the cornfield, back to the cornfield. Um, but it, it's like, it has this like horror meta thing in it because it's all this, like the girl literally looks like Sydney Prescott, who's her guardian angel. But yeah, it's great. I really, I super loved this one. I think it just came out this year or last year. So it could be a fun one to get into. And it's timed at Halloween. What do you, what do you got? So I thought this recommendation request would be a perfect fit for this episode because... October's just begun. People are always looking for spooky books this time of year, or most people are looking for spooky books this time of year. And I bumped it up in the queue because, mm-hmm. you know, we have like a 
the document of recommendation request we have is a hundred pages long, but I knew that if we didn't do it now, we'd have to wait a full year yes. to do so. No. So bumped it up. Anyway, I'm going to recommend a spooky book we haven't talked about a bunch. I really dug deep because if Maddie looks listens to this episode, we talk about horror books all the time. So I was like, all right, what's one that we haven't talked about? And it's Wilding Hall by Elizabeth Hand. Came out in 2015, so it's a backlist book. You should be able to get it at the library. I got I got it at the library in ebook form and read it last year. And it's so fun and short, too, which is great. It's about a group of folk musicians in the 1960s. It's like this band, and they move into they're like ready to record an album so they move into this old english mansion to record it and like sit and like they're gonna write it they're gonna record it um and as they're moving into it you're finding out like of course they all have secrets like some people are sleeping with each other secretly some people have different like backstories and motivations and then something happens while they're recording and one of them goes missing Mm. And years later, all the surviving band members are being interviewed about what happened. And of course, they all have different stories and perspectives about what actually happened. It's really short. It's spooky. It's a lot of fun, but it's not like terrifying. It's more the kind of like, it's like the kind of horror where it's very implied. Like you're not going to see a lot of, on. there's no on the page gore. You're not going to get a lot of like intense in your face spookiness but like what happened is implied so it's like a really good book to read to get into the horror genre and again it's backlist so it's going to be easy to find and it's short so i i really really enjoyed it and if you're a like a even if you don't like horror but you like stories about bands getting bands back together like stuff like that this is a great book for that so that's wildling hall by elizabeth hand and mine is how to survive your murder by danielle valentine If you want us to answer your recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, you can buy Reading Glasses totes, sweatshirts, t-shirts, tank tops, any level of sleeve. We've got you covered (laughs) over at our Void Merch store. You a little bit chilly? You a little bit hot? We got you covered over there. And, And buying stuff from our Void Merch store, remember, folks, it supports us. We get a check from the Void Merch store every month, and it helps us feed our cats, our very hungry cats. We have so many cats. And if you like the show, please rate and review us. Five between us. Five between us. They're so hungry. You can rate and review us on the mobile podcast listening app of your choice. Open up your phone. If you're listening to us, you probably already got your phone out. Probably got it in your hand. Mm -hmm. Or when you stop the car, open up that app. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. It really, it doesn't just mean a lot to us, but it also really, in a measurable way, helps out the show. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast. On Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks thanks for for reading. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.